This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Real EFL League One podcast, the podcast where we take a look at all the wonderful action that England's third tier has to offer each weekend. Just two games took place last weekend due to the international break, but League One was back in full swing this time around. And there are plenty of talking points for us to mull over, including some managerial debuts, a few late goals and a little game I like to call, did Cheltenham Town score this weekend? I won't fight it for you. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and I hope you all enjoyed the following episode. If you do, please leave us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. We've seen an upturn in new ratings, so it would be much appreciated if you could drop us a nice little five-star score to help us grow. Now, without further ado, let's get into the action. And, of course, I won't be on my own to delve through all the weekend's events. I'm joined today by a man with the greatest force name to have ever existed. It's Adam Pendlebury. How are you, Adam? Yeah, fantastic. Thanks. Yeah, good to be back yesterday after the international break and uh, absolutely agree with you about the name. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, am also very grateful to be back from the international break because as an Irishman, uh, it's quite painful lately. I'm also joined today by Keelan Saracen. Keelan, how are you? Yeah, we're all good, mate. Are you? I'm 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 doing wonderfully. It's it currently absolutely lashing rain here, genuinely, and it's freezing cold. But I'm a bit of a cynic, and I quite like that weather. I I I was in London last week, and it was 32 degrees, and I wanted to cry. I I genuinely couldn't even leave the hotel without wanting to sob. But this is my type of weather. Anyway, we're going to jump straight into the action, and we'll start with you, Adam. Reading two, Bolton Wanderers one. This was, I don't want to say a, a surprise result. Reading are a decent side, but obviously Bolton Wanderers are one of the favourites to go up this season. Were you surprised at all by the result? Yeah, a little bit, I guess. Um, mainly due to the off-the-field issues. It, it's mm-hmm. really difficult for the players, um, as I know myself as a Wigan fan, when all that, that kind of thing is going on in the background. Um, and we, Wigan didn't quite go as far as throwing 
tennis balls on, but we are we are up north, so we're a bit tight, so we wouldn't want to uh, lose any of our tennis balls. But um, yeah, I mean Bolton have been playing well, but obviously, I've, when my only experience of watching Bolton live was the Wigan four 0 win, um, so I think they can throw the odd result in. Um, but that said, the previous game. Uh, they beaten Derby 2-1. And when they took the lead, I, I thought Reading might collapse. Um, Dion Charles again scoring a goal. He's um, certainly one of the top marksmen in, in League One at the moment and integral to Bolton. And as I said, I thought they might fold. But from watching the extended highlights, I was actually quite impressed with the way that uh, Reading uh, responded. Um and fair play to them, really, to lift themselves in very difficult circumstances. It's been a difficult week for Reading, of course, the, with the protests. And they obviously had a points deduction during the week as well. And, and a fellow a member of the podcast, Johnny Hunt, was, 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 was publicly upset about, we'll just say, or behind the scenes, at least, on, in the group. Jack was very upset about the three points deduction. And then there was the protest. They, of course, went 1-0 down to Dion Charles. It was a nice finish uh, uh, by Charles. I believe it's the sixth goal of the season so far. Scored in the 20th minute. But then, Reading, late in the game, 77th minute, Charlie Savage with a beautiful, beautiful left-foot strike to make it one all, And then, Caelan Vickers, in the 86th minute, takes home all three points. Keelan, have you been impressed by Reading this season, considering what's been happening off the pitch? Yeah, no, I think it, yeah, I'm, from what I, on the opening day when they obviously support Peterborough United and they, they played us in the opening game, I thought they gave a really good account of themselves and Posh mm-hmm. managed to walk away from Reading, a tough away fixture with a, quite a hard-fought 1-0 win. And I think they've shown at points this season, I think, as you mentioned as well, they do have a good side. Charlie Savage was quite a coup on loan for them, and they've got a, they've got a decent talent in the building at Reading. So you would expect them to. I think if you're a Reading supporter, obviously the off-field issues are dominating the conversation. But I think you would be happy with a lower mid-table to mid-table finish just to just to get some yeah. So just to ease any possible relegation concerns, but they should have enough quality. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I was, sorry, Adam, you want to chime in there? Yeah, I was just going to come in saying um, I was quite impressed yesterday for what I saw of um, Assis. He, he hit an absolute thunderbolt of a shot mm-hmm. in the first half. And as we'll be talking about later in the podcast, I think it was the day of fantastic goals. There was some absolute stunners yesterday. And you, you've, you obviously mentioned the Savage equaliser, which... Was an ab- absolute stunner, but uh, probably doesn't even make the top three yesterday. Uh, but I thought a C's, uh, C's played really well, um, and they had that spirit about them. Um, and I think once they equalised, the equalised, the the fans kind of for a moment forgot about the off the field issues, rolled the team on, and that momentum took them to uh, what was a very impressive victory. Uh, like Wigan, Wigan and Reading have. Uh, too much quality, even with the points deductions, to be, in my view, considered uh, relegation candidates. And I've been pretty much saying that all the way through the season. A lot of Reading fans feel that way, and I don't mean in a disrespectful way, but they almost are very happy to still have a team to support every single weekend. And I also believe, and again, I'm not a Reading fan, so I can't, I can't 
speak for them, but I also do believe they have a team they can be proud of here. It's a young group of players, an inexperienced manager. I know he managed in the Premier League briefly for a couple of months at Hampton, but albeit an inexperienced manager, you know, in in, in the in men's football. But I think they've a, a coach to be proud of. They've a team to be proud of, and when they walk through the doors in the stadium, they take their seats. They just want to forget, I suppose, about the off-field issues. And obviously there was a protest during the game yesterday and it's their right to protest, but Reading ended up winning the game. And again, as I said to you, I think they have a team they can be really proud of. And okay, they mightn't, they might not fight for promotion, but I think as, as Keelan said, even mid-table is, is just a brilliant turnaround for them this season. They can stabilise, you know, <laughs> use up all their points deductions this term and then they can push maybe next season if they can grow on that. Keelan, I'll stay with you though for the next game, which was Peterborough United won. Leighton Orient won. Not a great... I mean, this is four games without a win now for for Darren Ferguson's side. What do you make of of this run for us? Well, actually, talk to me about the game for us. What, you, what did you make of the game and their performance in the game? And then we can kind of discuss the wider issue of, of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I think... Because I was, I was there and went down and watched it in the in the homestands. It, it was a very frustrating afternoon if you're a posh fan, because there's so much quality in mm. attack in that lineup with Efron Mason Clark, Johnson Clark Harris, and players like Joel Randall, who we bought from Exeter a couple of seasons ago and we thought he'd be electric for us. And it's just not working at the moment. And there was a real credit to Leighton Orient, because Leighton Orient came were very solid, very organized, and were, were extremely effective on the counter attack. I thought Theo Archibald down the wings was causing us all sorts of trouble. But as much as they were quick in the in the counter-attack and very urgent when they got the ball, when we got the ball, it was very slow. And it just looked like there was a lack of invention and we didn't really want to be too daring on the ball. And I've, I've, I think it's down to a lack of confidence, but also he start Darren Ferguson, changed the formation to a diamond, plays Harrison Burrows at fullback when he's more naturally a midfielder. At the moment, it feels like even Darren Ferguson himself is a bit unsure what his settled 11 is or the settled formation. And the players just, yeah, it, it just felt like a very frustrating afternoon because you go 1-0 up against Leighton Orient. And if you're a team like Peterborough, if you're going for promotion or going gunning for those playoff spots, you go 1-0 up against Orient or you get a second and then you go and get a comfortable victory. But then you let Orient get a a decent goal from a Jordan Graham cross Omar Beckles heads it in and then mm-hmm. from then on in really it was it was a very even back and forth contest and I think Richie Wellen said afterwards in the in his post-match press conference that he was slightly disappointed that the O's didn't grab a win and I think that shows you I don't know in that in that second half we had a couple posh had a couple chances didn't take them and then Orient started to well I thought Saul Brin had a really good game and goal speaking of the chances you created. Yeah, no, he looked a decent. I think Orient in, in general, I don't know if it was a case of, obviously we'd had those defeats prior, but they're to teams mm. like, no offence to letting Orient, they've just been promoted. We've lost to teams like Derby and Portsmouth. So I don't know if we looked at a home game versus Leighton Orient as a, oh, they might ease up and we can get a, a confidence boosting win. And I don't know if we've gone into that game and haven't really prepared for the task of, of Richie Wenn's team who gave a really good performance for the full 90. But if you look on the bright side, the one-all draw, you know, ended a three-match losing run. So it's something. Do it you think, do you, do you, I mean, yeah, but do you, uh, I hate, I hate doing this on podcasts and I know people want to talk about 
managers and, and changing managers, etc. And I really, I don't like doing it, but do you think, I mean, what was your opinion when Darren Ferguson took over in the first place, you know, the last time? And do you think he's the right man to take this side forward? There was, again, you, you, you're you a better place to talk about this than I am. I felt like there was a lot of turnover in the summer or, or a bit of turnover in the summer at least. And arguably the side got maybe worse. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, no, so uh, addressing the, the first point about Darren Ferguson, I think, unfortunately, obviously Darren McAntony is a, is a well-liked figure at Posh for the amount of money he's put into the building. And, the you know, mm-hmm. Peterborough, has, Peterborough historically are a more of a League Two club than ever being a, a top-end League One club verging on the championship. But I think, unfortunately, we've had a lot of managers in the past that just haven't worked. And I think the, the easy fix for a, for a chairman like McAntony is to go, well, Darren Ferguson's got X amount of promotions on his CV with Posh. Oh, we'll get him back in, and he seems to he seems to like the place. But as you as you mentioned, I think so. That, he's been the he seems to like he seems to really yeah. like really like it. But I think, as you mentioned as well, I, I don't know if it's been touched upon that much. But yeah, we, we were severely weakened in the summer by losing Jack Taylor to Ipswich. I mean, Ollie Norburn wanted mm. to move away, but he was a real you know, good presence in the middle of the park. He left. Frankie Kent went to Hearts. There was a lot of a lot of players that have left. And I think some of our summer business has been has been good, but it, it does feel like a team that's very much in transition at the moment. Well, I, I do want to say I feel like Darren McAnthony would uh, listen to this podcast because I know he reads some of our articles. So I'm going to say, Dara, you, I, I like your hair. That's what I'll say. Just in case he comes after me. Don't come after me. I'm a nice guy. You can come after Keelan. I don't care. We will move on, though. I mean, people at United at the moment are 12th in League One. They are level on points, though, with the team we're going to move on to next. That is Derby County. They drew one all at Pride Park with Portsmouth. Portsmouth are the only unbeaten side left in the league, although... I believe they now have one win in four games, but they've three draws, so they are still unbeaten. Derby are winless now in uh, two games. They also have only won two out of five, which isn't really a great look, sitting in 11th. and I mean, I'm pretty sure when we put the real EFL predictions out at the start of the season, they were, I want to say top, but they could have been second. They were at least top three, if I'm not mistaken. And they're now sitting 11th, apologies. Yeah, they're sitting 11th in the league, and it's not a great look. And I thought... They had to, they, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I, I mentioned this as a start of the season that I thought goal scoring was going to be not an issue, but they didn't look like, I mean, they didn't replace David McGoldrick and he, of course, scored, I think it was 25 goals or something in all competitions. They never really looked like they replaced him. Martin Wag, Waghorn went on an unbelievable run there a few weeks ago where he think he scored something like five goals in, in four games or something. It was brilliant. But again, yesterday, their lack of goal scoring threat really showed. I mean, they they bought a lot of centre-forwards, don't get me wrong. They brought Connor Washington in, Martin Waghorn's back. You know, they have they have James Collins, of course, up front as well. But I just, I don't know, I watched the game yesterday. They missed so many chances. It was quite frustrating, actually, to watch at times. They eventually did score through a penalty. It was, a, well, actually, I, I won't say it was a penalty. Adam, I'll come to you if you've seen the, 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 the penalty incident. Do you believe it was a penalty? The handball at the near post? It's difficult, isn't it? Because this day and age, we get used to, uh, if you watch Premier League football, your you VAR. Yeah, like 40 and, angles, yeah. Yeah, so 
I could see why it was given um, a definitive penalty. We didn't have enough angles, really. Uh, all I would say is she, uh, the, the referee gave it straight away. Um, and, you know, it looked like a confident decision. Obviously, the being so late in the game, there's, there's clearly going to be protests uh, about that. But, yeah, I could see why it was, why it was given. Um, but going, going back to some of your points that you just made previously about Derby, I think if you look at the individual players, and that's probably what, what everyone's based uh, prediction on, and also a manager with a history of promotions as well, you would expect them to be doing better. I mean, players like um, Conor Huram, you know, a good, you know, great, uh, great player. Um, and, you know, uh, Craig Forsyth, he scored in the Wigan game on the first day, very experienced uh, player. So they've got experience, a couple of good young players. Wagon will always score goals at this level. So I think about Derby fans, I think they'll be very disappointed. Um, for Portsmouth, that that extends. I think they're on beat and run now. Is is it something like 17, 18 games overall? It might might be even a bit longer. But they've, they've tended to start seasons like this uh, for the last two or three seasons, and mm-hmm. um, you just keep thinking to yourself, they never lose, but they they don't ever seem to be kind of in a position where you'd say, oh god, this side is looking really good for promotion. Too many draws in there. Um, sometimes, as as we know, it's better to lose a game and then get you know get get a win rather than having those three draws or whatever. And I, I think I think the Portsmouth fans will notice that because they've experienced it before. They're obviously a good side. They're a solid side, but not winning enough games for me to be considered, if you like, absolute certs for that top six. I will make a prediction, though, that I believe their unbeaten run will come to an end within the next couple of days because they have Barnsley away next, I believe, in midweek and then Lincoln at home, Lincoln City at home at the weekend. That's a tough run of figures. And just before we move on to the next game, I just want to say that Derby have Lincoln in the EFL Cup in midweek and then Carlisle United away next. And Carlisle United, who we will get on to, are on a... What a decent run of form. I mean, they are. They're on a decent run of form, 5.09, a win, two draws. We will move on now, though, to Wigan Athletic 2, Cambridge United 1. Adam, I'll throw to you on this. When you look at Bolton Wanderers, they have seven games played, four wins, one draw, two losses, and they are seventh. When you look at Wigan Athletic, they have seven games played, four wins, one draw, two losses. They have five points and they are 20th on the exact same run of form with a positive four goal difference. I mean, I understand why they're down there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, I understand why they're down there, but it's quite, <laughs> it's just interesting to look at when you look at the table. Like they have a positive four goal difference, 12 goals scored, eight conceded, you know, four wins out of seven and they're fifth from bottom. It was a good win though. Talk to me about the performance. Yeah, it was, um, it was very good. Um, I think most of the performances have been good this season. The, I think only the Blackpool game um, two weeks ago was what I class as a poor performance because the Barnsley game, we did go down to 10 men quite early in the game. So you never really know how that would have gone. But yeah, I think I think in the first half, we need, we probably needed to score early. Uh, 
Cambridge did come out all guns blazing for the first sort of five minutes and playing with a lot of confidence uh, at the moment. Um, I really like Bonner as a manager, um, not just on the field, but off the field as well. He, he, he speaks well. He's very humble and he's just signed a, a new long-term contract as well, when I'm sure there's been lots of teams sort of sniffing around him, really. Uh, so he sets, he sets his team up well, but we did create a couple of good chances in the first half. And if we'd have got those goals, then Cambridge would have had to have come out of the shell a bit more uh, and made it easier for us. Because a lot of our best play is, um, is is often when we can get that, that ball out wide. Um, we're very, very strong out wide. Even, you know, to the extent we can bring on uh, McManaman and... Uh, Johnny Smith, you know, to to replace the wingers who are already out there. Uh, Stephen Humphreys. Um, what a playing, goal. Yeah, another one. I, and again, I don't think it's going to be in the... Uh, I don't think he's going to make the top three, <laughs> but um, in terms of excitement for me, it does. Um, it's a bit out of nothing, really. But um, I, no- I noticed the interview from Bonner after the game. He was very disappointed because... That's what Humphreys does. He likes to sort of take the ball inside. Um, there's been a couple of occasions this season where he's hit the post. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he, the, the execution of it was brilliant. Um, and then at that point, we really took control of the game. It looked like it was only one winner. Um, Gordor, in his first ever professional game, which I didn't realise, I know it was his first game for Wigan, but first ever professional game, he looks like a right find on coming in from uh, Fulham. Uh, Michael Silva was very keen that he came to Wigan. I think he liked the style of play and he he knows that he's a player for the future, so he wants to get him out there playing playing football. Um, Very exciting player to watch. Clearly very raw at the moment. But um, probably at a bit of a low, obviously a lower level, but like a Ganacho-type player who can sort of excite you, get you off your feet. And, of course, that's what he did for the second goal. A very quick feet in the box, nice ball in, and Telo Asgard, coming back from injury, scores the second. Job done. That's it. Wigan. It was such a satisfying yeah. goal, by the way. Like when the, Asgard's goal, like when, when the ball doesn't hit the net, it's always my favourite type of goal. I know that's such a nerdy thing to say, but it's just so satisfying. Like he, he whacked it up and it bounced out off the line and it goes out and it's just, it looks incredible. I don't yeah. know how they do it. And it's such a low percentage chance of happening. I just love it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And sometimes your heart's in your mouth because you're not sure whether it's crossed the line. Uh, <laughs> you know, for, for, for a more, particularly for the other end of the ground as well. But yeah, it was funny because he was, he was, Due to get substituted and yeah. actually was substituted because he's just come back from injury. So he scores his goal, celebrates, and then right, you're coming off. <laughs> yeah. So, well the, the goal the goal was important though because obviously Cambridge United then scored a penalty and, and it made yeah, it two one. But was so a penalty. technically it was a do you think it was yeah. a penalty, yeah? Yeah, it was a pay, it was a penalty. Um in fact I, I, Cambridge attacked really well there on that right hand side. Um McManaman just got wrong side, um, just tripped him up, took the penalty well. And then it was a bit of a backs against the wall for Wigan. It's a young side, so I think when there's a goal and they have to hang on, I think it is 
sort of not necessarily calm in that box, but to be fair, they're all throwing the bodies on the line, blocking the ball. Uh, we held out well, and I think that might put us back onto another little run after that uh, blip in the last couple of games. So, yeah, very, very pleased with uh, how things are going at the moment. Well, I do want to say yeah, it was two losses in a row for Wigan, of course, so that was that will help to ease the pressure just a little bit with a nice victory. But it's also three losses in five games for Cambridge United, who started the season incredibly well. I believe after four games, they were top of the table. If I'm not in, I believe they were, but now they're on a horrific run of form. But that's okay. Don't worry about it. They'll, they'll, they'll come good again. What we will move on now, though, to is a team who started the season abysmally. I mentioned them a couple of minutes ago. But they've picked up form in recent weeks. Last three games, they've picked up five points from nine. A victory and two draws. It is, of course, Carlisle United. They went to Lincoln City yesterday, Keelan. And they picked up a draw. They actually took the lead. And then weathered some sort of a a storm before, I believe, and maybe Adam, you'll disagree, I believe this goal was top three, at least, of the weekend. Ethan Hamilton, an absolute... The incredible goal. However, I'm going to deduct points a little bit because I thought the goalkeeper should have was kind of out of position. What do you think, Keelan? Yeah, no, I was going to... I know um, Adam mentioned about the, the goal of the day contender and I thought Ethan Hamilton's strike was up there at a thunderbolt. But as as you mentioned as well, I do think the keeper's slightly out of position and it it sort of aids Hamilton's wonderful mm. strike going into into that corner. But I think Carlisle, you know, I've, I've deliberated with Gaz on, on WhatsApp and whatnot to, to get his views on the, the Lincoln game as well. And it sounded like Carlisle, even when I watched the highlights, they could have been, you know, further ahead because they had a, a penalty turned down that looked, and Luke Plange, who obviously scored the goal, former mm-hmm. Lincoln, loan, he scores from a free kick and then he goes through and then the Lincoln defender seems to clatter him in the box and the referee waves penalty away and, I know the Carlisle manager after the game was was absolutely raging that they, they didn't award um, the Cumbrians a spot kick. But mm-hmm. I think from a Lincoln perspective, it is slightly worrying. I know Ben House is out for quite a significant amount of time now up front for them, as is Tyler Walker. Jack Vale as well is injured. So there's a, l- there's a real lack of striker options. And I think that showed in this game. And obviously a, a thunderbolt from Ethan Hamilton was enough to give them the points. But a draw at home to Carlisle, it could be a, a slight worrying result for the Imps. It definitely was. The the, the lack of goal scoring threat was definitely a worry because Carlisle United have been one of the kings this season of, of struggling to score. And, and to yesterday, I should say, sorry, we're recording on the Sunday, they registered as, Carlisle United, that is, registered a 0.8 XG, which is still quite low. Let's, you know, let's not, don't touch my words here, it's still quite low. But Lincoln City at home against a team that are probably going to battle relegation this season. They only registered next year 0.5. I believe they've like four centre-forwards out at the moment injured. Is that correct? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, as Gaz mentioned here, I think they had to start Hakeem Adelukan up front, who has yeah. barely played for, for Lincoln in about a year. So they're really they're really struggling to see who they can, who they can place up front. Well, it was a really good result anyway for Carlisle United and, and that's, I, I mean, I believe they went to Stephen, they did go to Stephen last week yeah. or they were at home and they, they got a, they got a two-all draw, which Steve Evans was absolutely in, 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 in complete denial about, he said they deserved nothing, which, I mean, I wrote a little piece a few days ago and I said, 
I don't believe in this whole you deserve nothing from a game. Like it's a very straightforward sport. You 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 know you score more than your opposition. Not to sound cliche or basic, you score more than your opposition, and I don't believe that you deserve more just because you've had more of the ball, more shots, more you know possession, etc. I think that's silly. In this game, though, of course, Lincoln City did. They had fifty-seven percent of the ball. They only had twelve shots, and and Carlisle United fourteen, despite having way less possession. They also had six on target, Carlisle United, compared to Lincoln City's four. And then, of course, as I mentioned, the XG, Carlisle United had, had a better XG, which is a really good result for Carlisle United. They'll go they'll go back now to, um, I believe, I can't remember who they're playing next, but I do have Lincoln City's written down. They actually have Portsmouth away next in League One. They've Derby in the EFL trophy, I believe, during the week. And then they've Portsmouth away, which is going to be a, a difficult fixture. But they're unbeaten still in... Six games in the league, I believe it's nine in all competitions, which is pretty impressive. They do, Lincoln City, that is, do currently sit in ninth place. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's time to start planning your next holiday adventure. Whether you're traveling to Germany for the Euros or taking your partner or kids on a much-needed break to the Balearic Islands, downloading NordVPN is a must. NordVPN allows you to watch all sporting events, TV shows and films which are not available in your region by switching your location in just a click to one which is showing the content. So if you're away with the family and don't want to miss any of the action from your favorite EFL team, then NordVPN is the service for you. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online by protecting your personal data and other sensitive information like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands for just the price of one cup of coffee per month and can be used across six, yes, six different devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash reallyfl. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So a massive thank you to NordVPN for supporting this podcast, and you can too by going to nordvpn.com forward slash reallyfl to get a discount. The link is in the description. We will move on now, though, to Port Vale 1, Northampton Town nil. <laughs> I, I mean, where do I start with, with Port Vale? I was on the podcast the first week we did of, of speaking about the, the results. And I don't want to mention the scoreline. But what I will say is Port Vale are currently second with a minus two goal difference. So you can, if you know the scoreline, you know what I'm talking about. Of course, it was the game against Barnsley. They were absolutely mauled we had questions about Andy Crosby I remember the fans at the time were livid with the result rightly so losing 7-0 is never good you can ask any Manchester United fan but they've managed to turn things around I mean seven games played five wins one draw one loss and the one loss was the Barnsley game only Exeter City are their level on points with Exeter City with a game less played I mean Adam are you are you are you like are you surprised I mean surely you are surely it can't be the only one yeah, I know a couple of Port Vale fans. I don't think they were very optimistic uh, about the season ahead. Um, and they were even less optimistic after game number one. Um, I think more, from memory, I think most of the goals were in the second half and pretty much everything Barnsley hit went in that day. But, I think know, it was like one or two nil at half time. Yeah, it was like kind yeah. of like a tight game, one or two nil and then seven at the end. Yeah, but 
you know, you've got, like you just said before, you've got to look at the end result. And, um, yeah, 7-0, you, you think to yourself, well, how many games is this manager going to get? Um, but they bounced back well. I think that's the the important thing. Stop. I should stop using my win it, uh, Wigan anecdotes. But when we lost 9-1 at Tottenham all those years ago, we, we, we won the next game 1-0. And I think that was quite important for uh, for Port Vale. And, and something else that that springs to mind as well. I think I think Norwich one season lost at this level by seven goals, I think, and then won promotion. So maybe that's the way forward for teams. Try and lose your first game seven now. Um, in all <laughs> in all seriousness, though, I think they're doing brilliantly. Um, Late goal yesterday, uh, but that's a sign of a good team. You know, keep going, keep going to the end. Northampton are a gritty side, difficult yeah. at times to break down. Um, could they stay up there? Maybe. Um, there always seems to be like one, if you like, in inverted commas, smaller team that can sneak into the playoffs. Um, and the momentum they've got at the moment um, is is fantastic. Um, I know. Um, Jensen Weir's there is on uh, on on loan. Who I think Wigan reported a really, about. really, really good player. Talented, from, talented from player. Yeah, he was Wigan's he, he, Wigan's youngest ever player. He played at fifteen. Son of David Weir, the Everton centre back. He's a top quality player, mm. and uh, you know he's now had a couple of loan moves, and I think this year is the year where he's potentially going to take the league by storm. So with a couple of other good players around them. Um, I wouldn't be that surprised if Port Vale can hang around there for 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 a while. Albeit, I wouldn't say they're going to be a top two side. I don't think so either. I mean, it's still early in the campaign. I believe the table will level itself out. I'll just say as the as the the seasons wear on. You are right. The Northampton Town are a very gritty side. I've been really impressed with them. They kind of I don't want to lump them in with with Carlisle United because I feel like. I don't, not that it's, I mean, they're literally level on points, I suppose, so maybe it's fair to. But they're kind of just hard to play against. I don't think even top sides want to play them. Okay, you might beat them, but it's not going to be it's not going to be a heavy score. Like Lincoln City, when they played them, it was that very late goal from uh, was it was a Pinnock? Was it was it, was it was like a weird volley and it got carried over the line with a goalkeeper. Oh, that was against um, Posh. They beat us 1-0. Oh, was it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. But they also did get a draw against Lincoln City and then they beat yeah. you 1-0 with that goal. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Apologies. Yeah, there was that. And then there was... I think they won the game after that uh, 1-0 as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they, 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 yeah. yeah, there's some really good, like, very very hard to play against. And as we said, poor failure on incredible form. They only won 1-0. Uh, the XG, again, they like Northampton Town were resolute. Port Vale had 13 shots and only the XG was only 0.45, which means that the shots were not good. They were outside the box. They were at bad angles, which shows you that Northampton Town defended really well. They closed down spaces. They made it difficult for Port Vale. Um, but I just think it was a it, it, just an amazing story that Port Vale are even second. Again, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to them. I don't think they'll stay there. But seeing a team in second at minus two is quite interesting. It's like that was it. Was it? 1992-93 when Norwich City finished third in the Premier League the first year and they had like a minus I think they had like a minus goal difference it was bizarre am I right on that Adam? yeah you're right yeah Huddersfield as well when Huddersfield got promoted to the Premier League they I think they got in the top six on minus one or minus two goal difference really 
Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's amazing. Didn't know that's really impressive. It's just it's it's always just fun to see when you sit at the table because you're like, you, how many how many thumpings have you taken to, to have a, a minus goal difference? But anyway, we will move on. I'll 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 keep with you, Adam, for the next game. Wickham Wanderers two, Blackpool nil again. Seven games out of the last seven games, Blackpool haven't scored in six of them. That's all competitions, by the way, I believe. They haven't. Yeah. So in the last seven games in all competitions, they haven't scored in six. And again, yesterday, an XG of 1.02, 11 shots, two on target, 65% of the ball, not a single goal to show for it. What's, we will talk about Wickham in a second, but what's gone wrong at Blackpool? Because it's, it's, it's gone terribly wrong at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think they they had that run, didn't they? Did they draw three games nil nil? Um, it was four in a row. It? The goal is four, it was four, four goals. I think in all comps, it was four. Yeah, um, and obviously they had a lot of clean sheets earlier in the season, but not playing great football. Um, and then going into the Wigan game uh, two weeks ago, uh, all the people that we talked to, the Blackpool fans, were saying. You're going to absolutely stuff us. This this is an awful side. You know we don't attack well. We give we give soft goals away. There's just no optimism at all there. Um, now they beat Wigan, but it was an awful game. They scored early and um, shut up shop. It was really poor. And it finished two one. They won in the 95th minute, but then they're a side I think when I was last on the podcast because they were in the middle of that run then and I think they I think they pinched the goal on the break I think to win it uh, and I said well that's that's the sign of a solid Neil Critchley side and I said well they're going to be around about the top six little did I know that they were only going to score I think after that they like you said they only scored in one game in the last seven uh, so I don't know where they're going to go from here, really. Obviously, they lost a lot of goals from Yates. Um, Jordan Rhodes, mm. I mean, he will score goals, but is he going to get enough chances? Uh, he's, he's not really now the sort of player who's going to create his own chances. So, yeah, I, d- I don't know about Blackpool. Um, I think where they are, it's early in the season, but it's it doesn't look very enjoyable to watch. You know, sometimes if you if you lose the odd game, you, it's great football, but the, the natives are getting restless. Let's just say <laughs> it's certainly not enjoyable for fans. Anyway, I mean they've scored four goals this season in seven games, and they were in two matches. <laughs> There's been five League One matches anyway where they haven't scored a goal or four. Was it? Sorry, my, is my math terrible there? Five. Yeah, five. five yeah, that was, five. Yeah, that was five, really bad, yeah. Matt. My God, I, that was genuinely disgraceful. You, you can, anyway, you it is edit, five. edit that out. No, I'll leave it in. I want people to know I'm an idiot. I need to leave that in to learn. But they aren't as bad as scoring goals as one team, which I can't wait to get on to. But we'll get there. I, I won't jump the gun just yet. We will get there. We will move on, though, Keel, and I'll throw to you, Barnsley 2. Do, um, do, we, do we want to say something about Wickham quickly? Yeah, sorry, I completely forgot about that. Actually, yeah. Wickham Wanderers, they are unbeaten now in five. Actually, I wanted to throw to you, Keelan, on Wickham, just talking about their run of form. Apologies. That's why I came to you. Uh, five games unbeaten now. They are up to eight. Do you think they would... I mean, they had a, they had a, they had a, a, an awkward 
start of the season. Was it against Exeter that they lost at yeah. home and they looked bad in that game? They looked really bad. But they've managed to turn things around. I mean, I don't want to compare them to Port Vale. Port Vale's start was way worse, but it's still, you know, it, it's still a, it was a poor start. And then they've turned things around. They're up to eight, five unbeaten. I mean, they had very little of the ball. 35% possession yesterday, they still won 2-0. Have you been impressed with them? And do you think they have a chance of competing for the playoff places this season? Or is it just too early to say? Yeah, no, I was going to say they lost um, 3-0 on the opening day and then they went to Lincoln the, the next weekend after that and lost 3-0 again. I think there was a lot of a lot of Chairboys fans were calling for Matt Bloomfield's head. Mm-hmm. Obviously, coming in after the, you know, the celebrated reign of of Gareth Ainsworth, it's always going to be difficult. But I think he's he's Matt Bloomfield as a manager. I don't think he's changed too much at Wickham. When you look at the results they've got, the one nil away win at Northampton, I I talked about that on the the last mm-hmm. League One review, and it was it was a game where Northampton had a lot of chances in that match, and then Wickham managed to bundle a ball in into the back of the net via Richard Keogh, and they got a, a scrappy win. And I think a lot of their wins are going to be hard fought. I think we said, as you mentioned, their win against Blackpool, they had 35% possession. Four four shots on targets, not not brilliant, but Blackpool only had two, and so they took their mm-hmm. chances. I think there's a lot of experience in that Wickham team still. They've got Gareth McCleary, Sam Vokes up front as well. Leahy through the middle, I think, was a really shrewd buy from Shrewsbury in the summer. And, you know, Wickham, you expect Wickham to be in and around that final playoff spot. And if they continue in the vein of form they're doing now, you'd expect the same this season. I agree. And we'll stick with you, Keelan. Barnsley 2, Burton Albion nil. Devante Cole with eight goals this season. He's a top goal scorer. I didn't really see that coming, considering I think last season he scored, or or was was it last season? I can't remember the season he scored. I said on the podcast a few weeks ago, he scored only like two or three goals one season. It might have been last season or the season prior. He now has eight. And I just want to read out a couple of stats in relation to El Devante Cole. He has a 67% conversion rate this season. Incredible. He's averaging 1.27 goals per game. And he's scoring a goal every 71 minutes. His fourth goal, is that in your top three goals of the weekend? Yeah, no, I was going to say the the, the opener that he, he gets in that um, that game against Burton, it's a quick kick out from, from Robertson, yeah. the, the Tykes goal. McAtee helps it onto and he just brilliantly just curls it in and it 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 lands in the net as I know you said about the other goals it lands in the net so beautifully it just it's it's just yeah I I would say that's probably the the goal of the weekend in my my personal opinion I think the goal was such peak league one as well it was a goal kick to a player and one pass and then a goal that's just poetic you couldn't write that it's beautiful it's just so league one but you're right it was an incredible goal Borton Albion though I mean actually what I'll say first on Barnsley is they are fifth. They went through a patchy run of form after the seven. They're literally polar opposite form to Port Vale, coincidentally. But now they're back on track. They're after winning the last three games in uh, League One. They're up to fifth, 13 points. They're three points off the top, of course. But Exeter City have a game in hand over most of the league. But Porton Albion, they are third from bottom with two points. They haven't won a game this season. One of only three teams to not win a game this season, and those three teams are all in the bottom three, surprisingly. Where do Burton Albion go from here, Keelan? Because we've said this on the podcast the last couple of weeks, this seems to be a repetitive event every year where they struggle at the start, 
and then Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank comes in and he saves them and then he starts badly and then they sack him and Dino takes over and then he saves them and now we're in the situation again. And I feel there's only so much you can do that before. I mean, you remember Sunderland in the Premier League did it every year. That you, you can't keep hanging on. Where did Burton Albion go from here? Do you think Dino is the right man to take them out of this or do you think it's going to be just be a repeat of the last two or three seasons? Yeah, no, I think we we touched upon it on the on the last pod that, you know, Burton are, are, do seem like the sort of team that really struggle at the start of the season. Last season, they were in woeful form and then they managed to turn it around. But you, from the first seven games, you know, five defeats, two goals scored in the first seven, it's it really doesn't make for good reading. And when you look at the business they did in the summer, I thought they were they would, you know, be a, not 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 like in the in the middle of the table, but not not looking over their shoulder at that at those three relegation spots, but I think obviously we're gonna we're gonna move on to uh, Cheltenham, Cheltenham soon. Who I think you know Wade Elliott does seem to be a favourite to be sacked by the Robins, but I think Dino Marmaria might be uh, might be a manager casualty in, um, waiting to happen at the moment. Well, Cheltenham Town may have more sackings than goals very soon. We will move on to the game you spoke with Exeter City won. Cheltenham Town nil. I know I kind of I say that it's a constant running joke in the podcast. It has been for the last couple of weeks. Seven games into a season to not have scored a single goal. Can you imagine being a diehard Cheltenham Town fan and you travel home and away every single game? Seven in a row and you just have to sit there while everyone beats you and you don't have one like you don't get to celebrate once. I mean the whole point of football is we love to celebrate goals and you don't get to do that once. I genuinely I say it almost jokingly, but I genuinely do feel really sorry for the fans. I mean, it, it's just an absolute disaster. Even looking at the stats, I mean, they had 37% of the ball, nine shots, two on target, and an XG of 0.36. I mean, you, unless you're an elite team, you're not going to score goals with a 0.36 XG and 37% of the ball. It's absolutely bananas. But, I, I know we'll we'll get onto this in a second. Somehow they're not bottom of the league. <laughs> we'll get onto the team that are bottom of the league. A team that literally have not scored a single goal all season are not bottom of the league. They have six losses this season, Cheltenham Town. One draw. They've one point. Zero goals scored, nine conceded, and minus nine goal difference. Really poor. I mean, I, I, again, as I said to you, I do feel for the fans. There's not really much more I can say about them. I think you're right, Keelan. I think... You know, Wade Elliott might be the the the, the next. I was going to say Forrest, not the Forrest, but he will be the next managerial casualty, or else it will be Dino with Burton Albion. Because I can't see, I don't see really anyone else apart from perhaps Blackpool that are in, or even Peter, Peterborough United, of course. But I, I don't think there's any other team that are in an urgent rush right now to sack their manager. But zero goals conceded in seven games is absolutely bizarre. And up next is Peterborough United, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it, Caleb? They've already done the, the boring game. For against Cheltenham Town? Oh, no, sorry. I mean, sorry. No, 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 no. I mean, sorry. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting Peterborough for as long as I have. Obviously, we've got the... We've had some absolutely howling games last season mm-hmm. away at Sheffield Wednesday. still haunts me. And it feels like the sort of game that will we'll somehow go 1-0 down to it, the Cheltenham's first goal of the season and then they'll pull off an unbelievable result. But it's one of those games where, 
you know, Darren Ferguson, as you say, slightly under pressure. There's a lot of a fan expectation to get going again. So I think you, you, there's only Posh are going to have mm-hmm. to have to win that and win that comfortably, I think, to appease some sections of the fan base. And Cheltenham Town are the only team left in England's top four divisions to not have scored a single goal, which is a wonderful statistic if you're a Cheltenham Town fan. Exeter City, on the other hand, completely polar opposite. They are top of the league. They did lose their last game, but they have now obviously beaten Cheltenham Town. They are back top of the league, level only because of goal difference because Port Vale are, and their disastrous start to the season. I'm kind of surprised a little bit. I mean, Adam, do you think they? Do you think Exeter City are? I don't want to say good enough to get automatic promotion because I actually don't think they are. Do you think they're good enough to stay in the top six places? Yeah, I think I think so. I, I want to kind of compare them to an extent with Plymouth in terms of you know mm-hmm. the catchment area of the club. Um, where, when things are going well, and admittedly, it's been a long time since Exeter have seen these kind of heights. Um, I think they dropped out of the league, didn't they, for a while, and then spent quite a number of seasons sort of hovering around the top seven of League Two. Uh, but if they come in, you know, they're, they're looking at a solid side. Um, Gary Caldwell, who failed at Chesterfield, but got Wigan promoted to um, the Championship. So he's had experience of it before. They don't concede a lot of goals. They look well organised. Um, I don't think they'll drop that many points at home. Um, it's just how they do. It's how they do away, really. Um, and I think I think there's a chance that, like I said before, you know, you get you, you tend to get one team at least that you don't expect to get into the top six, and it could it could be Exeter. You know, they're already giving themselves a good good start, a good uh, points difference with some of the bigger sides like, you know, your likes of uh, Derby, for example. So, yeah, why not? Why not? Um, well done to them. Uh, all credits to T- Exeter and Port Vale. Who would have thought? Um, I, know, I know we're still relatively early, but who would have predicted that? Not even Exeter and Port Vale would have said that they would be the top two. Uh, the top four is bizarre. I mean, it's Exeter City, Port Vale, Oxford United and Stevenage. And I mean, if you're a fan of any of them clubs, well, that's wonderful. But it's just not one I would have predicted. I don't think it will stay like that till the end of the season. I would be massively surprised if even one or two of them were still in there come the end of the season. But fair play to them. I mean, what a great start they've all had. We will move on now, though, to a team that are, well, rock bottom of the league. Somehow behind the side, that have scored zero goals this season. Adam, I'll stay with you for this. Lee Johnson's debut, managerial debut for Fleetwood Town didn't go very well. They lost 3-0. Everton Loney, Stanley Mills scored with a very, very nice goal in the 16th minute. A really nice goal. Billy Bowden then followed up 27th minute with an, an excellent strike. It was just a really, really well-placed finish on the half volley, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then yeah. Kyle Edwards, another loney, but this time from Ipswich Town, with an unbelievable goal as well. Two goals in two games for him. This was a fantastic performance by Oxford United. I mean, they have five wins in six games now. They did lose our last game to Port Vale, but who hasn't lately? Five wins in six games. They are toured at the moment, again, one point off Exeter, but they Exeter City, but they have a game in, a game in hand. But 
because I'm a pessimist, we'll start with Fleetwood Town. What did you make of Lee Johnson's appointment in the first place, Adam? And, and are you surprised by the result? It yeah. wasn't the result. Certainly wasn't a surprise for me because um, they're just carrying on the form that they've had. I don't think uh, Lee Johnson was even on the bench yesterday because he's serving a suspension from uh, previous um, previous match. I I think you talked uh, I think you talked on the podcast in detail last week about managerial appointments and for me I, I think Lee Johnson when he has done well he's fallen lucky. Um, and I don't think he's the right manager to get them out of this. I could see that he might he might be gone by January, February. Um, I just I just think at the moment Fleetwood. I backed them at the start of the season to be up bottom four, based on the fact that I mean all that we talk about off the pitch issues, but I don't think any other side has had their owner jailed over the summer. And, you know, that's going to have a huge effect. You know, Andy Pilly is a most Fleetwood Town, isn't it? You know, over the years, the, the rights and the non-league. So that must have been very unsettling. And the longer time goes on, um, the confidence is drained from them. And I'm not convinced that Johnson will get that, that back. He, he failed at Sunderland with an excellent side. Everyone thought he was going to take them back up for the championship. And he failed. You know, and like I said, he's fell lucky with some of the other jobs uh, that, he, that he's got, like Bristol City. I, I just, I don't really rate him, to be honest, as a manager. And you need a really good manager to get uh, Fleetwood out of uh, the position that they're in. But moving on to um, positives, I thought Oxford, again, were excellent. And I would put uh, the uh, the Mills and the Edwards goal in my top three. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put them all in order. We've already had uh, Cole in the top three, so let's just say they're the top three. And the listeners can make their minds up in, in what order they put those in. But well, what quality they had, and they had some other great uh, shots as well through the game, which uh, won it the post. Really, really impressed with Oxford, and I think they're the most likely of that top four to stay in the top six. I would say at this stage. They've had an unbelievable start to the season. I just do want to say, though, before we move on, Fleetwood Town at 48% of the ball, 11 shots, zero on target. They did lose 3-0. They had a higher XG than Oxford United, 0.74 to 0.42, which is crazy. But, again, zero on target. They had more. Sh- they had 11 shots to, to Oxford United's 10. XG is just a stat to show the quality of chances, though it's not a it's not a, a way to show who should have won the game. Clearly, the shots were of low quality, and 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 Oxford United took their chances. They took them really well as well. We will move on to the penultimate game, that is Shrewsbury Town nil, Bristol Rovers two. Keelan, Joey Barrett was under well. I don't. I can't say for certain. I would imagine he was under a little bit of pressure from the supporters. Anyway, there was they were on and. Awkward run of form, we can just say, but that was a nice win. What do you think of the game? Yeah, no, the the two 0 win at Shrewsbury was was only their second win of the season against a, a Shrewsbury mm-hmm. team that, who went goalless again. I mean, we we were talking about Cheltenham and Burton who have scored a lack of goals. Shrewsbury have only scored four goals to their name after seven league contests. 
which is a bit of a concern. And you, you can see why that they're, they're a very wasteful team when you watch the highlights in this one. Yeah. We had a couple of half chances in that first 45 that I really could have taken. I think Daniel Udo up front for the Shrews tested the, the gas keeper a number of times. There was one header that was reasonably weak and comfortable for the keeper. And then the other one, he fired quite considerably wide. So I don't think Rosebury you know, got a goal when they had that notable spell of pressure. Barton's men weathered the storm and then they grabbed two late goals with two decent league one strikers in, in John Marquis and Aaron Collins. Aaron Collins gave Marquis the assist for the opener. And then Collins ensured that win was secured late on. There was a, a great ball into the box by the, the new fullback for Bristol Rovers, Jack Hunt, who's very experienced at EFL. Mm-hmm. McCormick, the substitute, heads it across and Collins has the easiest finish in the world to prod it home so was it I going think- in anyway I, I, I do wonder that because it was it looked like it was going in and he was robbed it but it might not have been I could be wrong what do you think no I saw confusion on Twitter because Bristol Rovers initially tweeted it was McCormack McCormick's goal mm. and then like a couple of minutes later oh it, it's Collins so I presume they'll give it to Collins because he was just he just he, he just guided it into the net and made sure it, it rolled in but yeah, it was it was a good win for, for Bristol Rovers, and you imagine that will be a bit of a, a confidence booster after a slight, you know, shaky start and a misfiring start for, for Barton's men. Hmm. Well, the last game we will discuss is Stevenage one, Charlton Athletic one. This was uh, Michael Appleton's first game in charge, I believe, of Charlton Athletic. No, in fact, it was because Jason Pierce took the last game, which was a was that the the four three in the EFL Trophy, Jason Pierce took. I believe it was. He took over a four-three game. It was a high-scoring game. Anyway, in the EFL Trophy. Apologies to the listeners. I, I don't actually remember the the correct score or the team they played. I think it was it was a League Two side. Anyway, but they managed to go to Stevenage, who have been on some decent form, albeit they drew their last game to Carlisle United, which was disappointing. And again, as I said earlier, a red bull face, Steve Evans. Uh, said that Carlisle United deserved absolutely nothing from the game, or they were deserving of nothing, is what he he actually used was an actual quote from him, which is a bit harsh. But I mean, it's 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 part of the course with Steve Evans, I suppose, or maybe Stephen fans would disagree with that. But James uh, Jamie Reid opened the score in the twenty fourth minute for Stevenage, a nice finish, and then late in the game. Corey Blackett-Taylor converted from the penalty spot in the 92nd, I think it was the second minute of other times, the 92nd minute. What, uh, I mean, I mean, Adam, I'll, I'll just throw it to you first. Michael Appleton in charge. It was, it was an okay performance. I feel maybe it was an improvement. They didn't concede that many opportunities. 0.71 XG is what they conceded. They had themselves doubled at, at 1.42. They had 12 shots. Stephen only had nine. They had more of the ball. What do you make of Appleton as a manager? Do you think he can be a success at Charlton Athletic and torn their horrific start to the season, which obviously led to the the the, the chopping of Dean Holden? Uh, do you think he can be a success at Charlton Athletic? Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, he's had, I think, take out, I don't think the Blackpool experience went really well for him, but he's done He's done okay at this level, I believe. I think Lincoln and um, Oxford spring to mind. Uh, I think he got a promotion with Oxford, didn't he, from the league below. So I have more faith in him than I did in the other recently appointed manager. 
um, Lee Johnson. Um, and obviously the starts, the start that he's made with that last minute uh, equaliser. I'd encourage anybody who hasn't seen that, look at the police for the penalty. Um, it was literally like they were getting praying to the referee to give the penalty. Uh, and it was a little bit delayed. That's what made it funny because they were actually almost praying to the ref, and the ref finally decided he answered the prayers and gave the penalty to the score. But I did find that quite uh, quite amusing. Um, and it was- the referee was leaning back as well. By the way, sorry, this is a really stupid observation to make. But he was leaning back, and I can't help but think that when you're like you know, a young player and your coach has not to lean back when you shoot. The referee's leaning back as he points the spot and I'm like, no, you gotta like you gotta mic Dini. You have to put, you know, put your boot through, put your hand through. You gotta lean in over, you know, put your forearm up and it was kind of just it was this point penalty call. I, I like when the referees are really dramatic. It's the ninety second minute, you know, add to the buzz. Take a couple of steps, leave it in anticipation and then Point your hand to the spot. Oh, yeah, incredibly. No, like, dive, absolutely dive forward and <laughs> look like you absolutely mean it. But essentially, yeah. it looked like you were taking all those prayers. You couldn't take any more of them and then decided on the back foot to give the penalty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously it's like he's jogging pod- backwards as he gives it. Yeah, a, new po- a new podcast where we're actually reading body language. <laughs> <laughs> I've never criticised the referee's body language before. It's just an observation <laughs> I noticed. I was like, it's just disappointing. I mean, add to the drama, build the anticipation up, go, and then all the fans are going, oh, is he going to give it? As he steps forward, and then bang, he points the spot. Everyone goes wild, but no, he just, he just, he ruined it. He ruined it. He's be ruined it. Anyway, guys, we've gone through all the, all the games there. We'll wrap up the podcast. Adam, what are your plans for the weekend? Uh, well, after this podcast, oh, actually, I, I, sorry, sorry, I don't mean to chime in. I do this every single week. I say, "What are your plans for the weekend?" And I forget that we are recording, and it's currently four p.m. on a Sunday. What are your plans for next week? Uh, well, I've got the uh, we've got the EFL trophy, formerly known as the Pizza Johnston Pence or whatever trophy, uh, against Leicester on the twenty ones on Tuesday, and. Um, yeah, we're talking about Bristol Rovers having um, sort of uh, a change in fortunes. So I'm going mm-hmm. down to Bristol next week for the uh, for the Wigan game, um, and obviously a bit of work around that as well. Yeah, you know, I'll try and get some work in around my football. Amazing, Keelan. Same question to you. What are your plans for the week ahead? For the week ahead. Well, I mean, I'll be nervous up until till Tuesday, just thinking that Cheltenham are going to pull off an unbelievable result at the expense of Posh on Tuesday. And then, no, I, I hope, you know, it's going to, I'll get on with some more writing for the Real EFL, do a bit of freelance writing here and there for other pages. Hope that the Posh win on Tuesday night. And then it's a really tough one on, on Saturday coming up. We're, we're away at Bolton, so that'll be an interesting mm. one. I'm, I'm not at either game, so I'll be... I'll be keeping tabs online and and hoping we can get a win after four games in a row without one. Brilliant. Me too. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) To everyone listening at home, make sure to drop us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the podcast. It means the world to us. Tune in next Sunday once more as we dissect all the action from League One for your wonderful ears. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now.
the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And do you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then late on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.